Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants Inn Chambers. In our podcast series, we are going to discuss a range of topics affecting police officers and anyone involved in the criminal justice system. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com. Welcome back to Plod. A recent article in The Telegraph titled Legal Loophole Blocks Police Whistleblowers and Allows Forces to Cover Up Corruption, says former officers. Well, this article was released on the 2nd of January this year, 2022, and in short, it states that police officers are unable to act as whistleblowers on their own colleagues. The Telegraph claimed that the uh, IOPC cannot examine complaints made by someone who is serving under the same chief constable, and therefore that creates a loophole which allows police forces to effectively police themselves. The article references calls for the law to be changed so that complaints can be dealt with independently to ensure high levels of public trust in the police, particularly after recent developments such as the investigation into the culture and standards at the Metropolitan Police and after Greater Manchester Police was placed into special measures. The Daily Telegraph states that it can now disclose that officers from both the Met and GMP GMP, uh, have complained that the restrictions of the Police Reform Act 2020 have prevented them from exposing serious wrongdoing which was covered up by superiors. Well, I'm Daniel Burke from 3D Solicitors and with me to discuss the claims and concerns raised in this article is Elliot Gold, a barrister at Sergeants in Chambers who specialises in police misconduct and a regular contributor to Plod. Uh, Thanks for joining us again, Elliot. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, Now, I recall you tweeted about this loophole and the complaints procedure on Twitter. And if anyone isn't following Elliot on Twitter, it's worth doing for updates on police law. His Twitter handle is at E Gold London. Uh, That's capital E, capital G, O L D, lowercase, uh, capital L D N. Uh, That's right. right, Or just search Elliot Gold and you'll find him. Trips off the tongue. Yeah, so you um, you tweeted about this. I did. What are your thoughts? Well, the article, if I remember it correctly, said that this was a loophole, that police officers were unable to make complaints about their own force. And in my view, it's not, in fact, a loophole. I share that view. Let's start with this. What complaints from the public must be referred? Well, complaints are set out in the Police Reform Act 2002, Schedule 3, Paragraph 4, and in the Police Complaints and Misconduct Regulations at 2020 in Regulation 4. And the matters that must be referred are a complaint that alleges that the conduct of a person serving with the police has resulted in death or serious injury or a serious assault a serious sexual offence, serious corruption, behaviour liable to lead to disciplinary proceedings that's aggravated by discriminatory behaviour on the ground of a person's protected characteristics or what's called irrelevant offence. And each of those categories could be broken down and explained a bit further and you can find the full details of what they are in the IOP statutory guidance at Chapter 9. I should say that uh, any member of the public can make a complaint, uh, but police officers can't make complaints. 
Yeah, and the public, of course, can complain about anything that upsets them with the police. But as you said, it's, the, it's those very specific uh, scheduled matters which, which must be referred to the IOPC. Now, police officers don't have that right to make complaints in the normal way, so how do they go about it? Well, a person who serves with the police, whether a police officer or a member of police staff, has never been able to make a complaint about other persons who serve within their own force. And when I say complaint, I mean the meaning of a complaint under the Act of Public Complaint. And about 10 years or so ago, 2013, it was made express by a Home Office Minister who said that the police complaint system was designed to allow members of the public to complain about the conduct of those serving with the police. And it wasn't for persons serving in the same force to complain about each other, uh, where that could effectively crowd out complaints from members of the public. It's not always as clear-cut as that, but it is clear most of the time. That, that's not to say that persons serving with the police can't raise conduct allegations, but it is that they can't raise public complaints. Now, the Daily Telegraph article, it focused on a retired detective inspector, Mr Anderson, and he had made complaints, but he had cl claimed that those were whitewashed, or the Daily Telegraph reports they had um, made complaints, but these were whitewashed. They said that the IOPC did not take on his case as the complaints were about uh, police officers under the same chief constable. And the article follows his career, saying that over the course of his career, Mr. Anderson made accusations including, and they're serious, corruption, perjury, theft, perverting the course of justice, misconduct in a public office, and fraud by false accounting. Uh, Mr. Anderson claimed that all of them have at some stage been covered up by Staffordshire Police. And he claimed that every complaint made against the police from whatever source, well, it's his view that whatever complaints are made against the police from whatever source uh, should be recorded, and the results of those uh, complaints can be checked by an independent panel. The article also quotes Mike Penning, the MP for Hemel Hempstead, uh, and he said the police can't have a situation where the PRA is blocking officers going to, for instance, the IOPC. And if that's the case, then certainly that legislation needs to be tweaked so that we can have confidence when whistleblowers have information that needs to be investigated. What are your thoughts on this assessment? Well, it, it may or may not be the case that this retired officer could make a public complaint I would be cautious about it if it related to his time as a police officer. And even if it didn't, there'd be a question as to whether he's witnessed or been adversely affected by the specific matters that he mentions. But even if he couldn't make a public complaint, he, in the same way as really any other police officer, could inform their own force of a conduct matter. That's a matter which isn't a complaint, but where there's an indication that a person serving with the police may have committed a criminal offence or behaved in a manner that would justify the bringing of disciplinary proceedings. The lowest disciplinary outcome now is a written warning. And so the lower outcomes in the 2008 and 2012 regulations were removed in the 2020 regulations. So what that refers to are criminal offences or behaviour that would justify bringing misconduct proceedings because they'd meet the threshold of deserving at least a written warning. And the words that there must be an indication that a person may have behaved in such a way provides a fairly low threshold. And once the chief constable's been notified of a conduct matter or has had the conduct matter brought to their attention, 
then the chief constable has to refer the same types of conduct matter to the IOPC as the complaints we spoke about earlier, those being matters involving death or serious injury, serious assault, serious sexual offence, serious corruption, behaviour liable to lead to misconduct proceedings that are aggravated by discrimination on the grounds of a person's protected characteristics or irrelevant offence. And I, I should probably add that for both complaints and conduct matters, even if the force isn't required to refer such a matter to the IOPC, they can still make a voluntary referral where it's appropriate because of the issue's gravity or exceptional circumstances. And so a failure, whereas a failure to refer a mandatory matter will be unlawful, a failure to refer a voluntary matter could still be unlawful where no chief officer could reasonably have refused to do that. We end up really in in the same place then because the matters raised by Mr Anderson appear to be serious conduct matters, corruption, theft, perverting. These are serious criminal allegations and as well. And if proven, gross misconduct for at least you know, breach of honesty and integrity standards. And they would have been raised as conduct matters or if he hadn't been a police officer at the time, they are sufficiently serious that they would have ended up before the IOPC in any event. One would expect so. The IOPC can assess any matter that comes to its attention and decide whether it should be investigated. And if the Director General considers that an investigation is required, he can order that that be done by the police force itself or that it be done under the IOPC's direction or by the IOPC independently. And that decision, again, a decision by the IOPC not to order an investigation or toward an investigation but not an independent one can also be challenged by judicial review. It's worth adding for police officers who are considering making disclosures within their own force or are uncertain as to what their own protections might be with respect to whistleblowing that police officers have the same whistleblowing protections as ordinary employees and any other members of police staff under the Employment Rights Act of 1996. Because the article, the headline of the article may have worried some officers and they may not have that protection, but that's simply not correct, is it? No, that, that's, not, that's not correct. They've got the same protections as, as anyone. And an officer, they would be able to challenge a failure to refer a conduct matter to the IOPC? They can. There are perhaps three points on this. The first is that... A person serving with the police who informs their force of a conduct matter can challenge their own chief constable's failure to refer it to the IOPC by challenging that decision by way of a judicial review. The second is that if the IOPC learn of the conduct matter and consider that it should have been referred, then they can call it in or in certain circumstances treat it as having been referred so that they can start an investigation into it. Or if an investigation has already been started by the force, they can take it over or even restart it and clear any investigative processes that have been undertaken. The third is that if an investigation has been started and concluded, the chief constable may be able to bring a judicial review of his own decision not to refer the matter. Though when I say his own decision, I mean, of course, the decision taken with his delegated authority by whichever persons in professional standards have have done so. And that has happened in the case of the Deputy Chief Constable and the Chief Constable of Kent that was heard in the High Court. And in that matter, the Deputy Chief Constable judicially reviewed the decision taken in the Chief's name, 
not only to keep the investigation in-house and not to refer it to the IOPC, but also the whole resulting investigation report and determinations of no case to answer. That was, in the event, supported by both the officer who had raised the original conduct matters, uh, and that was in respect to what he said his colleagues had done towards him or their behaviour towards him, and also the IOPC. And it was opposed by the officers who had the benefits of the no case to answer determinations. So an officer can challenge a failure to refer a conduct matter to the IOPC, either by way of judicially reviewing it, by informing the IOPC and inviting them to call the matter in, or if there's the support of the chief constable to invite the chief constable to bring their own judicial review if an investigation has taken place that either needs to be quashed or where a declaration is required perhaps to reinvestigate it. Yes, when it's brought by the chief constable, it's almost effectively a, a JR against themselves. It is. It has to be brought by one of the other chief officers, so an assistant or a deputy chief constable with the chief constable's permission. But what would then happen is that the officers who would have the benefit of whatever decisions have been made so far would essentially defend it if they were advised to do so. So although the chief constable would be bringing about a review of his own decision, it would be as hard fought as any ordinary judicial review. Yes, of course. And and a So a police officer can inform their force of a conduct matter alleging serious corruption uh, that it must refer to the IOPC or any other matter that may be required to be referred to the IOPC voluntarily and the IOPC can then assess that. Yes, not just can assess, but but they must. It's their statutory duty to do so. Has the Telegraph, have they misunderstood the position or raised concerns around a matter which doesn't in fact exist really in practical terms? Well, I think it's probably best not for me to go into an analysis of the newspaper article where the journalist who's written it isn't here to respond to what I might say. But I would repeat that it is by design that a police officer can't make a public complaint, but they can raise conduct matters. The main difference between that is that a person who makes a public complaint can appeal a number of decisions in the course of an investigation to the IOPC whether that's a decision by the force to deal with the matter locally or to assess it as misconduct rather than gross misconduct or to find no case to answer. But the IOPC provides a route of appeal for a public complainant where they're dissatisfied as to how a police has handled their complaint. It doesn't provide a route to a police officer who is not content with how their own force has handled allegations that they have raised about their colleagues But even though they have no right of appeal to the IOPC in the same way as a member of the public, they still can raise and make allegations that amount to conduct matters that have to be treated in the same way by their chief constable. They can inform the IOPC of those matters and invite them to call them in. Or they can bring a judicial review against their own force if they consider that the chief constable hasn't dealt with it properly. So the IOPC can investigate whistleblowing allegations that a police officer makes where there's an indication that a person serving within their own force may have misconducted themselves. What the IOPC can't yet do is investigate a matter where there's no such indication, although there is legislation for that uh, waiting to be brought into force uh, as it happens, those really deal with lower-level matters and certainly lower-level matters than that which the Daily Telegraph article seems concerned with. 
Well, we will uh, wait for that to be enacted and no doubt do another podcast on it in future. So, Elliot, once again, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com.